Amen. So glad that you're here this morning. Exodus 16, 20, notwithstanding, they hearkened not unto Moses, but some of them left of it until the morning, and it bred worms and stank, and Moses was wrought or angry with them. My subject this morning is simply something smells. <laughs> something smells. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. When uh, my sons, who are, are 12 years old now, and twins, when, when they were young, there was one of my sons that had uh, an affinity for sticking objects into his orifices on his face, nose and ears and whatnot, and sometimes this happened without us knowing about it, and, uh, you know, we would love on him and kiss him, and my wife started noticing that that uh, Luke had a funny smell going on in his head. And, you know, they didn't really have many teeth to brush and didn't quite know what was going on. And she kept saying, as mothers, you know, are very attentive to this, you know, fathers are like, ah, they'll be fine, you know, just give them another bath. But mothers are much more attentive, you know, and she's like, something's not right with Luke. And she would sniff around his eyes and sniff around his nose and She's like, there's something that smells. I thought, well, maybe his brain is rotting or something. I don't know <laughs> what's going on. She said, we've got to go, we got to go to an ear, nose, and throat doctor and figure out what's happening. So we took him and they looked all around and come to find out he had been sticking wet wipes way up his nose, all up in here, and it had gotten all up into his sinus cavity and was rotting. And so uh, we said, okay, what are we going to do? And they said, okay, we're going to go up into his nose with this long, sharp instrument. And uh, we're going to need you to hold on to him as tight as you can. And uh, we're going to go up there and try to pull this stuff out. And uh, so uh, we said, uh, okay. So we got him in a, in a chair and I wrapped my arms and my legs around him. <laughs> and the doctor, he was just a little bitty fella. And the doctor started going up his nose and trying to pull out these wet wipes that had now turned black with corrosion and, and rottenness. And, was, and as he was trying to pull it, it was shredding and coming apart. And Luke was screaming so loud. They finally came in and said, all the customers in the lobby have all left. They're not sure what's going on but we're going to have to do something different. <laughs> I was hanging on for dear life, and the doctor was trying to pull this stuff out, and we kept saying, you can't stick wet wipes up your nose. And uh, as soon as we got that figured out, then it became the ears and something else. But there's something about when, when something smells, you can't just mask it. You've got to deal with what the rottenness is. You've got to figure out what's going on. In the text that we read, Moses had told the children of Israel to only take enough manna for their family for that day. But you know how human nature is. People were like, well, I'm going to go ahead and, and take some for tomorrow. I'm going to tell you something, folks. Here we are thousands of years later, and people are still the same way. I remember my grandparents. I don't know if some of you folks who've been around a while may have remembered a burger chef. Do you remember that restaurant, Burger Chef? And they had a big bar. It was called, you could get your hamburger with or without the works. 
Does anybody remember that? With or without the works. And the works meant that you had like a salad bar and you could put your hamburger up there and you could load it all up with stuff. Well, my grandmother, God bless her, her and my grandfather, who retired at like 50 years old, they would, uh, my grandmother especially, would load up her napkin with tomatoes and lettuce and, and put it in a big thing like this and would put it in her purse. And I would say, no, no, that's Italian for grandma. What are you doing with all those tomatoes in your purse? She said, that's good food. We'll put that on the salad tomorrow. And I said, I don't think that's what they meant, you know, with or without the works. I think you're supposed to eat it now. She's like, oh, I'm full, but this will hold till I get home, you know. Well, here we are years later, and human nature is still the same. I mean, they told, Moses told them, don't take any more manna than what you and your family can handle for the day. Because tomorrow, there's going to be fresh manna. How many of you know when you trust the Lord, you can live every day knowing God's going to take care of you tomorrow just like he did yesterday? But still, we fear. We want, you know, parachutes. We want backups. We want to make sure just in case God doesn't move, just in case the manna doesn't come. And so they started having all of this uh, rottenness, and it started breeding worms, and it started smelling, and, and people were... And we're hanging on to it and, it, and it started causing a lot of problems. And, and Moses, the Bible says, was angry. Now, let me tell you why Moses was angry. Because most of the time, this is something I want you to understand from the very outset, is that sin has a smell to it. I want to make sure you get this. And you can try to hide it for a while, but it does not go away. It gets stronger. Sin has an aroma to it. It has a smell to it, and it usually starts with disobedience. Most sin starts with disobeying the Word of God. And instead of getting back to what is rotten and getting rid of it, we have a tendency to try to mask it. And you know, you can, you, you, you can have rotten gums or rotten teeth, and you can eat breath mints until the cows come home. But it's not going to help you until you get rid of what's causing the smell. You've got to get down in there and find out that something is dying. And that decay process is what smells. You ever get a smell in your car and you can't figure out what it is? There's a smell. You can spray stuff in your car. You can go to the car wash. They'll say, do you want, you know, pine forest? Do you want pina colada? Do you want vanilla? Do you want strawberry? I'm like, put all of them in there. There's some kind of a smell. And then I got some air freshener hanging from my rear view mirror. And I got little things that clip on the air vents. I got stuff in the back seat. I got all kind of smells going on in there. It smells like some sort of a garden in the Caribbean. This happened to me not long ago, but the thing still smelled. I couldn't figure out what smells in this truck. I had all kind of air fresheners. I was trying to mask it and coat it, and I thought I had it all figured out. But the smell would still kind of.
come creeping through. I finally had to get in the back seat and, and scrounge around and look in all the pockets and come to find out my daughter had put some food in one of them little old pockets that, that you never look into that's way down in the bottom and some sort of a food and wrapper and crumbs. That thing had gotten down there and gotten all corroded and rotten and spoiling and I had to dig down in there. Oh man, that's nasty. But if you're going to get rid of the smell, you can't be afraid to get your hands dirty. Nowadays, people don't want to just ask God to forgive them of their sin. They want to try to put a mask on and try to look all good and try to deal with it. Folks, it's still smelling until you get sin out of your life. It's that old rotten smell. It'll affect you, your husband, your wife, your kids, your neighbors, your co-workers. You got to dig down inside of the crevices of your heart and spirit and say, God, I got to get rid of this thing. It's causing a decay in my spirit. You got to dig it out. And folks, it's the word of God that digs it out. The Bible said the word of God cuts to the dividing and sunder of heart, soul, and spirit. You got you to get down in there and sort of dig out whatever that corrosion is, whatever that smell is. Because the longer it stays in there, the worse it smells. Now, the Bible tells us this in the book of James, that when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. When they had Jesus come to pray for Lazarus in the city of Bethany, they said he had been dead for three days. He said, well, show me where they buried him. And they said, behold, he stinketh. You know why? Because death smells. Our world has a stench of death right now that is hanging in the air. People being killed in Turkey. People being killed in France, Texas, California, Florida. I mean, just innocent people going about their daily business. And, and all of a sudden, some wacko is involved in some mass murder. There is a stench. And death has a smell to it. Because sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Something smells. Do you feel that way? There is something in our culture that is rotten. There is something in our world that has a smell and the stench of death is rising. The Bible says that when the plague of frogs came into Egypt because Pharaoh would not obey, that the entire land began to stink. Heaps of frogs, mountains of dead frogs. Everywhere you look, the entire place smelled. And then the Nile River dried up and all the fish died and everything began to stink. There is a smell to death. There is a smell. There is an aroma. If you can't smell it in the natural world, you can certainly smell it in the spiritual world. After Israel backslid, the Lord spoke to them through the prophet Amos. And he says in Amos 4 and verse 10, I have sent among you the pestilence after the manner of Egypt. Your young men have I slain with the sword, and I've taken away your horses, and I have made the stink of your camps to come up unto your nostrils. It had already come up into the nostrils of God. Their backslidden state had already created an aroma in heaven. But he said, I'm going to turn it around so that you can smell what I'm smelling. I'm smelling sin. I'm smelling a backslidden state of my people. If you want to read earlier, you would see what happened to Israel. They were in, engrossed in these uh, rituals and these customs that they had been exposed to in these wicked countries. 
that they had been ordered by God to take over the children of Ammon and, and the Amorites and the Ammonites and the Edomites and, and the Philistines and all their wicked countries. And not only did the children of Israel over a period of time when they begin to disobey God, which remember I told you is the beginning of this stinky smell, but then they begin to tolerate sin. They just got used to it. Something can smell, something smell bad enough, long enough, you can get used to it. And they got used to it. And they, they allowed these horrible practices that these, these uh, ungodly countries did. They, they allowed them for, for, for some 55 years, the Bible says, they allowed the, the children of Ammon and the Amorites and the Edomites to pass their children through the fire, literally offering their children as sacrifices into the fire in a sacrifice to the God of Molech. And the children would cry out because they were literally being put into the fire. And as their bodies were being burned, these little children would cry out. And these people that worship these heathen gods would offer their own children as a living sacrifice to the God of Molech. And history tells us and Jewish historians tell us that the children would cry out and to distract the men, the men, the fathers, their nature would be to respond to the cry of their children. But to distract the men from the cry of these children, they would beat the drums to distract and to mask the noise of these crying children. And they would hire and they would have new dancers that would dance to distract their eyes and drums that would beat to distract their ears as the children were crying in the fire. And if you read over Jeremiah, it says in 32, 35, and they built the high places of Baal, which are in the valley of the son of Heman, to cause their sons and their daughters to pass through the fire in the Molech, which I commanded them not. Neither came it into my mind that they should do this abomination to cause Judah to sin. I never even thought it would come into my mind that this would be possible. And then in Zechariah, the Lord said, because you would not hear their cries, because you didn't respond to the cries of your own children, then I will not hear your cry. For 55 years this went on until the Lord said, something stinks. Something smells. 1953, Hugh Hefner launched his magazine in Chicago that put pornography in the mainstream of our culture. Shortly after that, rock and roll music took over the minds and hearts of the youth. Elvis Presley in the late 50s and the Beatles landing in America in the early 60s. Prayer is removed from school, from the public schools in 1962. And about that same time, the backstreet abortion factories are fired up until in 1972, the United States Supreme Court legalizes the killing of unborn children. And now 25 million children have been killed, innocent babies slaughtered in this country. And we turn a deaf ear to it because our eyes are distracted by immorality and our ears are distracted by the cries and the music of this world. And here we are now, 54 years later, from the 1962 case that school was now a no-God zone. You couldn't pray in school anymore. And so here we are in the summer of 2016, and the Bavard County School Board on this Tuesday at 9.30 a.m., once again, trying to pass as the society and culture of this county and members of this church 
have showed up numerous times and I've spoke before the school board and they keep bringing it back, bringing it back, bringing it back. What are they trying to do now? They're wanting to give protective status to students who claim they feel different about what their identity is than their own natural born gender. Meaning that bathrooms and locker rooms and showers would have to become gender neutral. And this Tuesday at 9.30 a.m. in the school board building in Vieira, they claim that they now have the votes to get it passed. They've been putting these meetings at night, but everybody's been showing up. So now they're going to try to do it during the day while everybody is working. They're bound and determined to do it. Because, ladies and gentlemen, there is something that smells in our culture. And I ask this great church, First Pentecostal Church of Palm Bay, what are you and I going to do? Are we going to turn our ears and turn our eyes and ignore the cries of our children? Or is somebody going to stand up and declare the righteous word of God? I hope you'll show up and let your voice be heard. I hope we'll keep letting the bells be sounded from this church into this community as long and as hard as we can. Because as we look around, we see that people are saying, what's the matter with the world that we live in? I'll tell you what's the matter. We got to dig down and we got to get to the sin problem. You can't mask this thing with pretty little sermons and flowery songs. You got to get down to the bottom of your soul and spirit. And you've got to root out what the sin is. And you've got to say, God, you've got to heal our land. And you've got to restore our families. Sin is turning into death. And it stinks. It stinks. Not just in heaven. But it smells because as the word of God says, he turned it on us so that we can smell what he smells. He's turned it on you and I so that you can smell what he smells. We have two choices, ladies and gentlemen. We can spray perfume, try to mask the smell. Or we can go to an altar and we can root out that thing that is rotten in our spirit. We got to get right with God. Because that's what repentance is all about. But ladies and gentlemen, that's not where the story ends. Because James poses this rhetorical question in the third chapter. Does the fountain send forth at the same place? Sweet water and bitter. In other words, can the same life produce the rotten smell of sin and yet turn it around somehow and produce a sweet smelling savor? Paul described in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 18, but I have all and abound. I'm full, though he was at this point in time in a Roman jail awaiting his appeal to Caesar, chained to two Roman soldiers. He said, I've received of Ephroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. He was referring to a love offering. This was a reference to the Old Testament that described how they would bring sacrifices and, they, and they, they would produce an aroma that would come up to God as a sweet-smelling savor because it was based in obedience. 
See, ladies and gentlemen, if disobedience creates a foul smell in the throne room of grace, obedience produces a sweet-smelling savor. It's not really rocket science, ladies and gentlemen. It's just a matter of dealing with our own human will and saying, God, not my way, not my will, but your will be done. I've tried to do it my own. I've tried to make my own decisions and live my own life without any consequence. But I've got to come to a place where I recognize I need God and I need Him every day. I need Him in the morning. I need Him in the evening. I need Him at the noonday hour. Have you ever smelled something sweet cooking? Bacon? Waffles out of the kitchen and down the hall. It arrests you right where you are in your room and calls you out. Come hither. <laughs> Woo! Apple pie got them long fingers calling you to a place. I like the old song that says, Come and dine, the master calleth. Come and dine. He's got a table spread where the saints of God are fed. Have you ever walked up inside of an atmosphere and without even thinking, you just say, something smells good. I don't know about you, but when I get together with God's people, hallelujah, and the choir begins to sing and the saints begin to worship God, I don't know about you, but I just feel an aroma of peace and joy. Something smells good in the house. It don't mean you've had a perfect week. It doesn't mean you're in perfect health, but you're going to obey the word of God. And he said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. I'm going to enter his gates with thanksgiving. I'm going to enter his courts with praise. Something smells sweet in the house of God. Genesis chapter 8 verse 20 says, And Noah built an altar unto the Lord and took of every clean beast and every clean fowl. This is right after the flood. We're going to start with clean. We ain't going to be offering no dirty, nasty, unwanted beast that we've been trying to get out of that ark for 40 days anyhow. We're going to bring out the clean ones. You think about the sacrifice this was. Now, there weren't that many animals left. There's only what was on the ark. The whole earth had been flooded. Noah said, of every clean fowl and clean beast, and offered a burnt offering on the altar, and the Lord smelled a sweet savor. And the Lord said in his heart, I will not again curse the ground anymore for man's sake, for the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I again smite anymore everything living as I have done. Let me tell you something, folks. The Bible says the prayers of a righteous man availeth much. You've got no idea, but when God's people 
you and I that are trying to live for the Lord and live righteous life, when you begin to praise God with a sacrifice of praise, when you offer up the sacrifice of obedience to the Word of God, even though it may not make sense in your own logical thinking, but you said, I'm going to obey the Word of God anyhow, that's a sacrifice. When you bring your tithe and offering unto the Lord, it's a sacrifice. I don't know how I'm going to pay the bill. I don't know how I'm going to pay FP. I don't know how I'm going to pay my work, but I'm going to obey the Word of God when He said, bring the tithe into the storehouse. And you bring it as an offering. I've come to tell you, it's a sweet smell and savor unto God. And God looks around and he sees a world that smells. But then he sees some Pentecostals at the first Pentecostal church on Emerson. And they're saying, we're going to praise God anyhow. I had a bad week and the devil threw everything at me. But I've come to lift up holy hands. I've come to bless the Lord, oh my soul. And God said, I gotta wait a little longer because there's something that smells good in that house. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, yes, yes. Somebody made a decision. I'm going to bless the Lord at all times. You can listen to Fox News and get more depressed. Or you can come into the house of God and use your voice to magnify God. You can curse the darkness or you can light a candle and say this is the day that the Lord hath made. Come on, there ought to be a shout from the camp of Israel. There ought to be a shout in the house of God today. You can remain standing 81 times in the Bible. A sweet smell is produced by the obedience of humanity. Ten times more than a foul smell. When they tried to stop Mary from using her alabaster box of perfumes to anoint Jesus' feet, he said, leave her alone. Her worship, her sacrifice, her dedication is producing a sweet-smelling savor that's pleasing to me. I can't speak for what the world's going to do. Something smells rotten in this whole world uh, that we live. Uh, but I've come to preach to you today that there is a remedy. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we will worship Him. With obedience, with a sacrifice, and a praise that is a sweet-smelling savor of the God. Matthew 26, Mark 14, and John 12 all speak 
of the same event involving Mary of Bethany, the sister of Martha and Lazarus. They were at the home of Simon the leper. Leprosy, you see, my friend, was a type of sin. It had a terrible odor because of the death of the skin cells and the deterioration of the appendages. They were at Simon the leper's house when Mary said, I've been saving this little alabaster box. But I'm so thankful that God has removed the stench of sin and shame from my life. I'm going to bust this thing open. I'm going to pour it on Jesus' feet. And the people that stood by didn't understand it. It was the contrast between the smell of leprosy and sin and the atmosphere of unadulterated worship. An atmosphere that changed in the room when somebody said, I will bless the Lord at all times. I will bless the Lord at all times. You say, well, pastor, I, I, I don't feel anything negative going on right now. I, everything looks good in my house. I got a good job and a good family. Jesus said about Mary breaking open this alabaster box. He said in Mark 14, she poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. Ladies and gentlemen, you got to praise him before the trial. You got to offer up praise before the smell of death compasses you in your home. You got to jump ahead of the trial. And you got to say, I choose today to worship God. Sister Janice, Joe Strand writing that song alabaster box she says in the words i've come to pour my praise on him like oil from mary's alabaster box don't be angry if i wash his feet with my tears and i dry them with my hair you weren't there the night he found me you did not feel what i felt when he wrapped his loving arms around me. You don't know the cost of the oil in my alabaster box. This world will never understand your praise. Because they don't understand what happened when God changed the aroma. And with his love and his mercy, he reached through all the stench of sin he saw something beautiful. Song goes on to say, I can't forget the way life used to be. I was a prisoner to the sin that had me bound. I spent my days, poured my life without measure into a little treasure box I thought I found. Till the day when Jesus came to me and he healed my soul with the wonder of his touch. So now I'm giving back to him 
All the praise he's worthy of. I've been forgiven. And that's why I love him so much. Something smells like praise in here today. I wonder if there's anybody in this house that's got an alabaster box. That in the midst of a smelly, stenchy, sinful world that we live. Is there anybody in this place that's got an alabaster box of praise? That say, I'm going to open it up today. Come on, I'm going to pour out everything that I've got, my voice and my energy. And I'm going to offer it under praise to him today. Why don't you come? I'm coming to you today, Lord. Doesn't matter what you need, it all starts with worship. It all starts with praise. You need a healing, you need the Holy Ghost, you need deliverance, you need a miracle. It all starts with worship. it. Lift up your voice right now. Here I am, Lord. That's it. Those of you that are in the pew, lift your hands. Those of you that are in the altar, lift your hands. Lift up your voice. Jesus. I will bless the Lord at all times. Yeah, la 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 la